Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow, and you're listening to Radio Karam, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Karam, tune in. Welcome to the Strong Single and Human podcast, a real look at single parenting, the ups and downs and how to navigate life with kids on your own while keeping sane. Covering subjects such as domestic violence through to fussy eaters and solo dating. I'm your host, Claire Martin. Welcome. This week's guest has been a week on, week off dad with his kids for about 10 years since his divorce and covers 100% of the financial responsibility as well as running his own business. In the week he doesn't have them, he crams in as much work as possible to pay for everything and has found a positive way for all of them to live successfully. After all, the children are the ones that have to move between two houses every week. He'd love the chance to inspire other parents, be vulnerable and share some of the learnings he's made. Hence, I've invited him on this podcast Hey, welcome, Jem. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for coming on board today. Hello, Claire. Thanks so much for having me. No, that's okay. Crikey. So, 10 years since your divorce and you have your kids week on, week off. Like, tell us a bit about your story then. Tell us a bit about, um, I don't need to know the ins and outs of the divorce, but like, tell us a bit about, um, like, how you've got to have this work so well and were there any points where it didn't work quite so well um I'm sure there's a lot of listeners on here either going through this or having to navigate co-parenting um and it would be interesting to hear a little bit about your story and what you've done to to improve your situation with your kids yeah and I how many kids have you got (laughs) Sorry, I didn't. I didn't mention it. We've so when I say we, I mean their mum and I have got two teenage boys. One's about to turn eighteen in two weeks, and and wow. the other one's fifteen. He'll be sixteen in May this year. Um, and I do have I have repartnered, but we still keep separate houses. And my partner has a fifteen-year-old girl and a twelve-year-old boy. Um, so there is four of them in the mix. Um, We've been together for six years, but we've kept the two houses and we did that specifically for the kids. We thought, you know, if we throw these four kids all under the one roof and force them to try and get along, it's going to be a nightmare. Um, yeah. So we've done that for them. But but actually, funnily enough, it's worked out really well for our relationship as well. We're both week on, week off with our kids and and we're in sync with each other. So when yeah. when I have my kids, my partner has her kids at her place and then when the kids go to their other parents, we get to live together for a week with no kids. Which is perfect. So that's wonderful. <laughs> and it's great for the relationship inadvertently. We figured out that, you know, it's really lovely to have our own space and have our own time. And um, so that's worked out really well. But, no, it wasn't always easy to figure this out. Um, it's, not, it's still not always easy. Yeah. You know, in the week when I'm single parenting, when it's just me and my boys, you know, I'm running a business uh, and doing yes. the single parenting and teenage kids, I mean, when we separated, they weren't quite teenagers yet, so they needed a lot more hands-on stuff. But as they get older, it's not so much that you need to, you know, wipe up after them, so to speak, but it's more about there's school sport training on every night, there's school sports on the weekend, they've both got jobs, they don't have their licences yet, you become the taxi driver, 
you know, and you have to work with school hours, right? But but when you're running your own business, those hours don't always quite match up. So that's the juggle. But um, look, it wasn't it wasn't easy. You know, none of us get married thinking we're going to get divorced one day, right? We yeah, all get married no, exactly. thinking we're going to spend our lives together. And, you know, when it was getting towards the time of calling it and just saying to my then wife, you know, we, we can't do this, you know. And it turns out that once once I actually finally got to the point of saying can't do this anymore um, and we had decided to separate, she then let me know that she'd given up on me five years prior. Um, like, okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> It's usually, so I have to say, it's usually the case that women actually, um, yeah, women actually already realise that situations are, yeah, not salvation. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. no, you know, you can't save it. Or they've given you several chances in the lead up to a separation. And, you know, if we haven't told you, and I've got to say, we have to take ownership of this to a little bit as well. If we haven't told you that we're giving you a chance or that there's things that aren't quite right and we aren't communicating it in the best way, then we're not giving you a chance to actually <laughs> deal with yeah, stuff anyway. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's, I, take, I take, you know, ownership for it as well. And I, and I kept trying and trying and trying. I just didn't want to give up. And I was very aware that it needed work. I wasn't doing the... Um, the typical bloke, head in the sand, everything's all right, mate, she'll be right, mate, crack a beer and get on with it. I wasn't doing that at all. I was like, this is not good. We need to sort this out. But we couldn't anyway. So long story short, the thing that was the scariest for both of us was the kids. You know, the boys were only eight and six at the time. And we were just petrified that it would be traumatic and devastating for them. You know, in fact, the younger one had been saying to us for a couple of years, kind of picking up on the vibe, obviously. And he'd been saying to us, if you were, if you two ever separate, that's it. I'm going to die. It's going to be all over. And it was the drama oh of a six-year-old. And it's like, oh, God, this is terrible. Um, and then even when we got to the point where we decided, look, we're not going to be able to salvage this and long-term we are going to be better off apart, um, we still couldn't bring ourselves to tell the kids for a year and a half. We lived in the same house. Wow. And I wanted to tell the kids, but um, but my wife was saying, no, I, I, we can't, I can't tell them. I'm not ready to tell them. I'm not ready to tell them. So we were living separately. But were you, together. But were you separate, living separately, but like. No, we were in the same house, same you, bed, separate. Yeah, but in the same house, same, same bed. Same bed for a, but a big chunk of it. And then. Yeah, no, no, I've was, been there. So I. Yeah, understand. and then I was on the couch <laughs> nights. And anyway, it got to the point where the boys were no. asking me, saying, are you and mum okay? What's going on? Are you separating? And I just couldn't keep lying to them. And I just, and I said to her, I can't keep lying to my boys. One of my core values is honesty. And, and I'm lying to my own children. This, I can't do this anymore. I have to tell them. She said, are you threatening me? I said, I'm not threatening you. I'm just telling you I have to tell our kids. And I really hope you're there with me when I do. And it turns out that we did tell them together and it was as horrible as we thought it would be. And it was traumatic. And, and there was, years of of it being really really tough and really really hard for the kids um and you know i was thinking about this claire before coming to chat with you today about this this whole story that your listeners can identify with the co-parenting thing and especially at the start the co-parenting thing was tricky for so many reasons but one of them being that you try and have agreed parenting rules and guidelines but one of the reasons you separated is because you disagree on things like this, right? You disagree on things like parenting. And so now I find myself as a single parent going, right, 
I want to raise my boys the way I see fit to raise them. But then at the same time, you know, my ex is saying to me, you can't do that. We have to agree. And her version of compromise was me saying, all right, well, let's do it your way. So that was really, really tricky to navigate. And, um, and you know, me going from being the, you know, I had, I had really become quite emasculated in my relationship. I own that. I'd, no one did anything to me. I, I did that. But I was like, oh, yeah, whatever you want, honey. And, okay, we'll do it your way, honey. And I just became, and that was very unattractive as well, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, and but also, like, if you're in the, you know, if you've spent several years in the uh, mindset of, like, this is not working, I need to do something about it, and it's a, you know, and, and that can actually happen where where you have got people, um, you know, one part of the relationship um, trying to please the other partner to try and fix things, right? Yeah. In a way, you being the fixer in the relationship yeah. – um, and trying to mediate and, and fix everything and get it back to, you know, five years prior or whenever yeah. and, and go from there. So, yeah, look, we all take on different roles within relationships and at different times within those relationships as well. So yeah. it's nobody's fault. No. And sometimes it can be like our default um our default style in a relationship, for want of a better word, yeah, being yeah. you know being the morning and I'm trying to think. Yeah. But you know, it's it can be a, a default style that we go to or something that we've learned from our parents that we actually then go, Oh, I you know, I, I need to do this to make things, you know, yeah. better, different, whatever. Yeah. Um so when you told the boys, did you then continue to stay together in the same household and live in the same house? For another from when we told the boys, I think it was then six months, but I moved into the caravan, so I slept in the oh, – I slept my, – my house was the pop-top caravan out in the driveway. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we stayed together then for another six or seven months while we were selling the house and everything like that. Luckily, luckily, like that. I mean, yeah. luckily, I don't know, it's funny that I'm calling it lucky, but we didn't really have anything to, to fight over in terms of what we owned. We had a bunch of debt. We didn't, by the time we sold the house, we were a hundred grand in debt. I just took all the debt and gave her all the contents. Oh, wow. She okay. said, you take everything you want. Um, I'll take the debt and, and we'll work it out. And I only just paid off that debt last year. Um, so, you know, and, and I, I've insisted on paying to raise the kids. Um, I, I don't know. That's just my thing. I, I, one of my archetypes is provider. This is not gender specific. Anyone can, no, 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 anyone no. can be provider. No, no, no. I'm just talking about yeah. that the archetype itself of wanting to um, provide, and that's something that I've identified with. And so I said, look, I'm going to cover the cost of raising these kids until they move out one day. Um, and that's just how how we set it up. So, yeah. And look, I'm I'm very similar to you. I like I'm cover 100% financially. You know, I'm 100% financially responsible for yep. my son. Um, and um, it would be nice to get help, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit there and ask right, for right. it. You know, my view is, you know, this person that we have created yep. is part mine, part his father's yep. and therefore you know we should contribute equally but if that's not going to happen then it's okay what are you going to do provide yeah. for him yeah well no but i provide for him because right. he's my kid yeah well you're he's not going to give him half a meal and say you're, you're half hungry because your dad won't give you any <laughs> support <laughs> and i want and i want him to experience and deal with and do 
everything that he wants to do so you know he's at stage school at the moment which is great he loves he does soccer he does afl and you know i i have yeah, to finance yeah. these things but i don't want him of not course. to experience of and course. not to deal with because they're the innocent ones through this story right they're the ones who are yeah. like oh all of a sudden I mum and dad agree. and the, you know the, the the sad thing to watch is that kids naturally tend to blame themselves when they're little they think oh, i'm not good enough for my mum and dad to want to stay together and they you know it's a very human thing we make it all about ourselves and so to unravel that and to smooth out the creases of that as they're growing up and you know I've made a real effort to just keep reminding my boys that it's not their fault that they're they're good enough just the way they are it was just their mum and I kind of thing and look we have got to a point now where we get along fine which is great we co-parent quite easily um, and she has finally come to accept that some of the some of the ways I parent are not the way she wants to parent and that she has to be okay with that. You know, I, I'm not, it's not like I'm reckless and putting my kids in danger at all, but um, there's just some differences in, in ideologically in the way we think things should go, you know. But at the end of the day, yeah. you're a dad, right? So dads, I hate to say it, but dads are different yeah. from mums, right? We like to, you know, cuddle and I'm not saying dads don't like to cuddle but we like to say you know make sure our kids are safe and like don't put them at any risk and and I've seemed to experience that men have a different yeah, risk true. assessment of situations it's not that they want to put their child in danger or anything like that but they like to be able to let them go and do what they need to go and do and learn the lessons that they need to go and learn whereas I think us mums tend to mm. want to look after mm. And, you know, and, you know, because I suppose it's the nurturing side of us. I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's people out there who will happily yeah. tell me otherwise. But, like, it's the nurturing side where you want to, you know, you want to you, yeah. you feed that child. When that child comes out of yeah. you, you feed that child. You look after that child. And the father's role um, is important yeah, but absolutely. slightly different. Yeah. You have a different outlook. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes. That's a bad I'm not sure whether it's right. I don't know whether it's uh, nature, whether it's nurture. Um, they've done some experiments regarding male monkeys and female monkeys. And, you know, male monkeys go to the trucks and construction and various different things like that that have been set out in a big, wide area for them. And the female monkeys tend to go to the dolls and the, you know, toys and, and mother them. And so, so it's well, very it makes bizarre. Sense. I mean, it makes sense. You know, uh, you know, I think it's important to remember that, in our fight for equality, which I'm also, I'm on the fight for equality as well. And I, and I actually believe the world would be in a much better place if we had more women in decision-making roles. So I'm on this massive push for this as well. But let's, let's not get confused. Equality doesn't mean that we're exactly the same. We're different. Men can't conceive a child and grow a child inside them and, and, and breastfeed and birth and breastfeed, all that stuff. Men can't do that. We, we're, we're genetically um, you know, we're different and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So the differences that you're talking about are generalizations and that's okay. We can generalize. And yes, there's anomalies and yes, there's exceptions to the rule. And yes, some men are more feminine than masculine and all of that's beautiful. Um, I, I cuddle my boys. Both of my boys are very tactile and they're about to turn 18 and 16 and we still cuddle on the couch. We still hug every day, yeah. you know. But that's so great. That's, that's I think fine. That's awesome. But what you're saying about the way we're wired, yeah, I think it's I think it's true, you know. And I do my risk assessment is different. That's one of the one of the areas where we where we disagree. Their their mum and I, um, you know, and that is what it is. 
But 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 I think it's all part of, and you've got boys. I mean, maybe your risk assessment assessment would be a little bit different if you 100%. had girls. Do you know? What, do you know what I mean? And and your and and your ex partners uh, or ex wives. Yep. Um, risk assessment would be completely different because they're yeah, girls. Completely. So she sort of understand. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it is all fine. And I agree with you. Look, um, I think we have to, uh, men and women have to work together as teams. Yeah. We have to work together and pool our strengths. Yeah. Um, we have to respect each other and um, we have to not, and I just did it, so apologies. But I, we have to not generalise, um, and we have to accept people as human beings. And I think yeah. I'm yeah. like, it's one Couldn't of the biggest more. things. And given that, you know, given that that that's a foundation of our interactions is that we respect each other, and we respect each other, um, including all of our differences. I mean, diversity is such an important part of us as a species. So, given that we respect each other. Right, if that can be a foundation, then it, it can be helpful in conversations to generalise. Sometimes we're not talking about individuals yeah. and saying you are like this. We're talking about as a species, you know, as a species that the female that is the the, the bearer of the child is is wired in certain ways, and that's that's necessary yeah, to right? have you know, children. I must admit, I do sometimes wish that you men could have kids. Then you would oh, understand. Oh, I do you know what? As, but I'm sure you wish we well, could no, do I, things. Well, no, I don't wish you could do anything else. I think I think you're awesome the way you are, to be honest. And happy International <laughs> Women's Day for yesterday, by the way. Yeah. Um, Yay, but for me, yes, exactly. you know, interesting on reflection, as a as the bloke, as the male in the child creation process, um, I know I'm not alone in feeling like a bit of a third wheel at points in time because you go, wow, I can't conceive a child. I can't grow the child inside me. I can't bear the child. I can't birth the child. I can't feed the child. Wow. Um, I'll just I'll just take the change the nappies or do whatever I can do. But there's this feeling of um, am I really needed here? And I know for some men they they really struggle with that. Um, for me, I, I was just looking for ways that I could be useful. Um, you know, yeah. getting out there and earning the coin, which I know sounds sexist to some people, but I'm not saying any, I'm, this is not about sex. This was just about me going, what the hell can I do to be useful right now? You know, and I was a very hands-on dad. I, I love babies. I loved my own babies and I was changing yeah. nappies and washing them in, in the bath and singing to them and putting them to bed as much as I possibly could. Um, loving all of that. But yeah, as a, as a guy, you're kind of like, oh, what's my place here? You know, and Honouring and revering women for everything that you can and do do, you know, because I know it's not easy. But the thing is, I think the key point with all of this is that I think when you got when when you and and your ex wife separated, like the boys, especially boys, and if you read all the books and mm. things like that, boys from about the age of five six onwards through to their teens are very much daddy daddy mm. daddy daddy and not very much mummy 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 so earlier on there is mummy 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 but then we need to understand the different roles that we actually undertake within our children's lives and it is unfortunate and I do feel for you guys because it is very much about mum at the beginning you know with everything um mm. and you and I understand completely mm. how you guys would feel like a third wheel because all the attention is on mum and bub and you know all of those sort of things can can go on and you know it is difficult for men to actually go right great okay I did make this with you can I be included and some women shut all of that out not through anyone's fault but it's 
it can be through um, post um, post traumatic stress yeah. syndrome. What am I talking about? Postnatal um, PPD yeah. and PPA and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so it can be ordered through that as well. So you know, there's all of these things that hormones and stuff like that that are going on. Yeah. So okay, so what? What was the hardest part? Uh, telling the children, I'm assuming, would be the yeah, hardest telling, part? Yeah, telling the kids. I think telling the kids was the hardest part for sure. How did you prepare for that? Oh, oh look, you know, we we spoke about it obviously before sitting down with mm. them and, and we spoke about how we wanted them to, we really wanted them to know that it was a joint decision. It wasn't one of us leaving the other. It was both of us deciding that this was the best thing for us. We wanted still that to be... You know, we 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 had tried in the marriage. We had tried this idea of the united front. We really had tried to always present to the kids like we that yeah. we were on the same team. But that started to fall apart because, as much as we didn't want this, we started to argue in front of them. You know, it was it was never physically violent. We're we're both not that sort of person. But it was just niggly and and irritated with each other and and resentful and and just ugh, the, the energy was not nice you know and so but at the, but at the end it was like we need to present to the kids that we're both equally we've equally decided that this is the way that we're going to move forward so we did that it was horrible there was lots of tears and trauma and then the trauma started to play out and then when i fell in love again um we both kind of repartnered very quickly funnily yeah. enough and when i did um you know with my current partner now my younger boy and her girl kind of took out their their trauma of their parents separating on each other and they just were oh, horrible to wow. each other. Yeah, and it was a real navigation. We really had to navigate through that, um, which we did, but it took it took a few years. You know, it wasn't just like all of a sudden everything's rosy. It was really, really hard. And my, my younger boy felt like he was losing me to my new partner. Yeah. Um, he was very, very attached to me and, and he – struggled really behaviorally really struggled for a few years um he's come he's come really good now and now the four kids are blended awesome yeah you know they call each other brother brothers and sister it's just easier yeah. for them rather than trying to say oh that's my mum's boyfriend's son yeah, kind of thing right. oh, so they just say oh that's my brother yeah. so that's yeah. all all nice but um wasn't easy i must admit that is one of the concerns with my son because we've been a team um for the last yeah. four years so it is yeah. me and him, um, and I'm not in any way interested in the dating game as such. But I, my concern is that if I do go down that avenue, mm. the impacts that it's going to have on him, because it is. It's been me and him in the same house, me and him through yeah. lockdown, me and him dealing with everything, me me taking him to all of his sports, me taking him to X, Y, and How Z. How old is he, Claire? He's six. Yeah, you know, he's, he's six, and – you know, in the years to come, you'll probably just naturally be having conversations with him about about what happens if mummy meets a man one day and falls in love and you'll, you know. you. Well, I have. I have already had that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And he's said, no, no boyfriends yeah. for you. You're not allowed boyfriends, mm. but I'm allowed girlfriends. That'll so change. Like, right, okay. Well, That'll change. Fine. No, no, no. I mean, that's look, that's okay. And it's a very. You get to the point where he's like, uh, mum, I found this dating app. Get on it, will you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll be like, oh, okay, great, okay. But like, and I'm very cognizant of that. So, like, with regarding the co-parenting, because I'm really interested in in how you, 
you know, like obviously telling the kids was the worst thing, but you, you got through it and that was all good. I mean, did did you and you've said about the challenges you had between like not having the right um not being on the same wavelength as such with some of the parenting some of your parenting ideas. Is there anything that comes to mind that you sort of go, Oh, yeah, these were hard, but was there a, like was there a turning point uh, as such? Yeah, you- well, but also the other hard thing for me was that I had to, I had to rewire neurologically. I had to rewire my dysfunctional role play in that relationship because it had got to the point where she would mother me, she'd you know tell me what to do and treat me like a child, and I would behave, and then I would behave like an insolent teenager. You know, if she. If she told me I wasn't good enough at something, then I'd, I'd, my reaction was to go into teenage boy and be mopey and, and resentful and irritable. And it was this dysfunctional dynamic of mother-child, which I think a lot of couples fall into. And so when we separated, I was doing a, through this whole separation, I also had my midlife kind of crisis awakening and I lost my job and lost the oh marriage. We lost the house. We lost, just lost, I, I lost everything. Everything except my boys. Yeah, wow. You know, and I was going on a real cathartic self-healing journey of rewiring my beliefs around myself and that I am good enough and I do deserve happiness and I do deserve, you know, beautiful relationships and I deserve abundance and all these things that we want, right, that I – because I used to think I didn't – I wasn't good enough. Wow. So I had to rewire that. And as I was rewiring that and seeing a psychologist and doing a lot of work on myself and realising that I was doing this – resentful teenage boy Mm. role that I had to help myself move out of that and drop into my man, you know, and then when she would say something that in the past I would get triggered on to notice that I was triggered and breathe, do my work, just sit still, come back into my man, be grounded and just speak my truth with love. Yeah. But but with, with um, self-assuredness not not cockiness, not not trying to prove anyone wrong or anything, just knowing me and trusting me and saying, I hear you, but this is how I feel. And and as a man, not as a boy. So that was really hard. It didn't come easily, wow. you know. The neural wiring that we have, I was 42 at the time. And and so you got 42 years of wiring, right? And you can't just flick a switch and it all changes. You, it needs to be persistent. So and it all and also like I think a lot of that wiring comes from culture comes from school comes from you know how we're brought up comes from you know where we work and what we do and and things like that I mean you know I my day job is a very male orientated environment yeah so there are a lot of women god love them Mm. women out there but there are a lot of women who find me very aggressive um who can find me very male-ish because I work in a male environment. I deal with men all the time. Yeah, you have to access your masculine energy. And as a single parent, you're doing masculine and feminine, right? Because you're making shit happen and getting shit done, excuse my language. Um, But at the same time, you're the nurturer, carer, the softer, the soft, you know. So and I bet, and it's a very hard role for me because that nurture care thing I see like I see as a weakness to a certain extent like when you had to cut and I'm I'm over the last 4 years thank god but and in a way the relationship and the environment that I had to have my child within and deal with has made yeah. me look at myself and I think that's why I'm not out there in the dating world because I'm still doing that healing yeah. work 
assessment, looking at where I'm at, yeah. looking at who I am so I can then do what you did, which was to actually be able to sit in who you are and go, well, I am good yeah. enough. This is me. You know, it's not all about me, my ego, et cetera, and all of those sort of things. And to actually be a more grounded, yeah. rounded person. Yeah, to enable, absolutely. You know, and, you know, you to bring if, up we're, grounded, if, we, rounded if we people. look for anything positive to come out of horrible stuff, like separating is horrible. It's just not nice, you know. Um, single parenting is not, not easy. So when I look for, you know, what are some of the benefits to come out of it or the positives to come out of it, all of this self-development work, that I've done, becoming at ease with myself, radical self-acceptance, self-love, and now being in a relationship that's beautifully conscious. I mean, I, I won't go on too much about my my current relationship, but just suffice to say it's wonderful. But I wouldn't have got here if I hadn't gone through all the stuff I've gone through, and I wouldn't have no. become at peace with myself if I hadn't gone through that separation and been forced to actually self-heal. You know, so there's a lot of positives that have come yeah. out of it, and I've got. I don't have any regrets. I'm. I'm super glad that my ex-wife and I fell in love. I'm so glad we had our beautiful boys. I adore my children more than anything in the whole wide world, right? Which is what our, us parents do. So uh, there's no regrets. Um, and now, with the benefit of hindsight and the and the self work that I've been doing, I can actually appreciate it and go, "Wow, what a journey!" And I'm kind of yeah. glad for it all. You know. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I. Life is a journey, mm. beginning to end, wherever mm. that end may be, mm. and wherever, whenever that end may be. So it is a journey, and it is about living the best life you can. How do you co-parent? So in the beginning, how did you co-parent in like in in the volatile emotional sort of stage? So you were living together. But not for together. a year and a half or something, yeah. Yeah, and then and then you um, separated. So I'm, my assumption is you weren't in the caravan for too long. So you both then went and bought separate houses. Rented, Did you rented. We've rented. neither of us have yeah. been able to buy again since then. Wow. Um, yeah, crazy, crazy Australian. Yeah, 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 yeah. Until just very recently, my my partner yeah. and I bought an investment property in a small country town because it was Yay. cheap enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so it was in those initial stages when we first moved out, physically moved out mm. from each other. Um, the codependence was actually the codependence from one side, and this was both of our. Um, doing, I was about to say fault, not fault, but both of our doing was that through the marriage, um, when we first had kids, you know, I'd said to her, what do you want to do? Do you want to um, keep working and we'll, we'll both work part-time and parent part-time? Do you want to be a stay-at-home mum? Like your choice, you tell me what you want to do and I'll work around that. And she said, actually, I really want to be a stay-at-home mum because I just want to cherish this time mothering, right? Yeah. So she stayed at home as a stay-at-home mum, and over those years, I was doing everything else because that's what I could do. So she became completely dependent on me. She didn't even know how to log into online bank accounts or or pay bills or any. She did. Yeah. She was an awesome mum, beautiful, wonderful mum. But I did everything else. So when we separated, there was this dependency on me, and it was hard because she had to learn how to do everything, um, and I had to try and stop rescuing. 
you know, so that she could find her independence again. And it was tricky. And she kept calling me for stuff all the time. I need you to come over and lift this for me. I need you to come over and do this for me. And I was trying to say, hey, you've got a boyfriend. Call him up. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, all, and, all, and, uh, and it's interesting. And I suppose that's why I wanted to just dive into that a little bit more detail regarding the separation side of things. Because, I mean, how long were you guys married? Almost 20 years. Exactly. So you've been with that person for 20 years, yeah, right? That yeah. person is embedded in your life, whether, you know, and, and um, I, you know, my longest relationships have been like eight, 10 years, right? Yeah, yeah. But even so, that person is embedded in your life, right? To then walk away from that, admittedly, you've still got the boys and you're still dealing with the boys either side, but then to walk away with that. Mm. It's very hard. It's hard, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of association. How in, did you do? You, yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. And at the end of the day, it's not as though you like hate each other. Like you fell in love and got married. So there's a, yeah. there's an affection and a and a you know an emotional connection with that person. It's just that you've maybe grown apart, grown and you know on different yeah. journeys as such. But like, how did you? Yeah. How did you get to a point where, how did you break that, the rescuing and all of that sort of side of things, but still yeah. effectively co-parent because you still got the boys, yeah. both of you still got the boys and, and, you know. One moment at a time, you know, one instance at a time and, and it was gradual, you know. Mm. So it, it, on a scale, kind of on a spectrum from being dependent and completely associated with each other to to becoming independent and less associated with each other. And we haven't even arrived yet. You know, I'll still think when I'm in a conversation with someone and I go to say my partner's name, neurologically, my my ex-wife's name pops into my head because wow. for 20 years, well, 20 that years. was the name that you were saying, yeah. right? You were saying me and so-and-so. You said that hundreds of times a day for 20 years. So I don't feel bad. It's not that I still have any... Well, and it's a no detriment to your existing partner. It's the fact that it's a habit. It's just a habit. It's like, just a neurological it's a habit. habit. That, you know, yeah. So, you know, this is just the way it is and it's just a, a continual letting go. And so in answer to your question of how do you do that, it's just through conscious awareness and effort in each moment. So there's a moment where I would get triggered by her and I'd, and I'd be going back into that boy and I'd be like, can we swear on your podcast? Yeah, yeah, right. And I'd be like, ah, so, so I, <laughs> if you if you heard me right, every day, okay. I'm like, so I'd get triggered, right? Hell. And, I'd, and in, internally, I'd be going, "Fuck you, fuck you," you know, like internally. Oh wow! This well, is back but at that's the start, the teenage boy, right? isn't and it? I'd, and I'd have to go, whoa, 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 and be aware of myself. Take a breath and go, oh, let that go. How did you change? How did you change that state? You just basically went, well, hang on, and took a breath, or did you have to? Tell yourself a different story. Yeah, in your all of the above. And and a practice oh, of okay. in, in 2014, so eight years ago, I started a dedicated practice of mindfulness meditation. It's been such a help, Claire. I can't, can't begin to explain how helpful it's been. And it's yeah. a mind training. Like you're training yourself to come to a place of observation of anything that you can notice. So that means you can observe the emotion. Rather than being identified with it, you can observe the the thoughts that are running in a loop in your head. You can observe them rather than being identified with them. And so, as yeah. you practice being able to step outside the experience and just notice it, you become less consumed by it. So you have you you develop the ability to to let go of a state 
take a breath and go, wow, you know. It's like dropping the ego. And I mean, yeah. I like one of the best books that I read um, was Ego is the Enemy, which from a work and a personal perspective and all of that thing. And it's very much, you know, it's it was very insightful for me. Mm. And um, it is, it is like removing that emotion, removing it all to be about being you and your ego and about who you are, because it's, it's about taking a step back and actually witnessing, well, why, why am I feeling like this? And also going and understanding the other person and why why are they yeah. reacting yeah. to such? And yeah. um, what are they reacting to? And what is their underlying requirement? And, and yeah, and trying to – well, not contribute to it and trying to, you know, yeah. not or react to it. seeking to understand. Yeah. Yeah, seeking to understand. And you're right, our our ego is our sense of identity. And when we identify with any state that we're in, then we're, we're way more stuck in that state. Our ego is also very defensive. So when, when our ego feels like it's challenged, then it gets very, very defensive. So the ability to step outside of that identification, take a breath and not be so consumed, then enables us to have a little bit more conscious awareness and curiosity about the other person. Where, where might they be coming from right now? Why are they so upset? Can I seek to understand? Which doesn't always mean I'm going to end up agreeing with you. But if I'm still trying, if I'm seeking to understand, it just softens the discourse a bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, um, and, and I think, I think it's about focusing on you as the individual, like in domestic violence situations, in, in situations where you're dealing with addicts and things like that, the only person that you can really control and deal with is yourself, um, especially regarding addiction, vi- domestic violence, whether it be verbal or physical or whatever. It's about taking care and looking after yourself, but also stepping back from that. And it is very hard in those situations to step back and not take it personally. Yeah, if they knew how to be a better version of themselves, they would. They don't know how to yeah. do it. I mean, anyone in any given situation doesn't know how to be any better, in inverted commas, or, yeah. you know, than they are. And, you know, look, I'm thinking back to this, um, you know, single parenting and the navigation of co-parenting. Yeah. Earlier on, I said that, you know, one of the toughest things was that we disagree on certain parenting dogma or, you know, or ideas. But, but with the bigger stuff, we have really both tried to find a way to come to some middle ground, you know, like for, for example, um, one of our boys has very strong ADHD um, and we were both on the same page resisting medication for as long as possible, trying to scaffold and give him tools to be able to get through school and stop getting into trouble, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But then, and, and, um, his mum wanted him to go onto medication before I did, but but it was a conversation. We didn't just kind of overrule each other. And then finally we came to the time where we went, all right, let's give this a crack. Um, you know, and we both we both would go, we both went to see the pediatrician in Melbourne together. You know, we both let him know that this is what we're doing together. Um, so the the bigger stuff, you know, the bigger decisions on things. Um, we've come together on. How do you deal with that, though, if you don't necessarily agree with the other person's point of view, though? How do you how do you get to a point where you're working together? Yeah, sometimes sometimes there are things that we don't agree on and we we don't come together on. Um, yeah, it's it's tricky. 
But with the big with the big stuff, do, is there a certain way that you both deal with it? Like, you know, is it because I know with me, <laughs> when I'm triggered mm. by my ex partner or whatever, like I have to stop take a deep breath, take a step back and go, is this in the interest of my son to, to do X? Is this the best thing for him? And I know for me that I've had to do that so many times. Like, is it the best thing? Is it affecting him mentally, emotionally or whatever? And if it is, well, then the best thing is, you know, to stop, to put boundaries around whatever needs to be put around to protect. Child comes first, right? Yeah. Child comes yeah. For and some parents, that- unfortunately, they're so consumed and so childish themselves and so selfish in the separation, they don't even think about what's best for the kid. They're just thinking about what's best for them, and that's horrible. But they, like we said a minute ago, they don't know how to be any different. It's just yeah. unfortunate for, for- – Oh, it's scary. It's a scary thing. Like when you're talking about addicts um, and, and those sort of situations – there may be so much pain, trauma, or so much that they've buried yeah. that and you're taking away their crutch. You're taking away what is safe and secure. It's like being safe and secure in a room as such, yeah. and yeah. you're going to open the door and kick them out of that room. That's like a very – that's you know, they've never been there before. They've never had to deal with not having that room to sit and be safe and secure in, and that's why addicts – tend to fail you know or uh, sorry it's not failing but it's like you know tend to go through several cycles of rehabilitation because it's a scary place they they are going back to their safe place yeah. their you know their yeah, cave absolutely. as such their cave may be full of lots of narcotics yeah. or alcohol or whatever you know and in situations but, you know, or it could be shopping or it could be whatever in situations like that and it's got to be case by case but i think you're right the child the child's well-being has to come first that has to be the most important thing um, and if there's a situation in a separation where the child's well-being is at risk with one of the parents due to addiction or due to violence or due to whatever then the steps should be made and it's it's not always easy but should be made for the child's well-being i've just been super lucky yeah. that um in our separation the, the boys have always been safe with their mum and always been safe with their dad. So that's that's fine. And the week on, week off thing, you know, I, I always remind myself um, to have a, a certain level of compassion and respect for the kids because they're the ones living out of a suitcase and changing house every week. Yeah. Well, I know. I, I have heard of some couples having their own houses outside of the family house and that the kids stay yeah. in the one house and the Yeah, we talked about that. Do you know why I couldn't do that? Because I didn't yeah. want to live in a house and, and still be told that I wasn't putting things in the right place or putting things in the right drawer or <laughs> doing things the right way. <laughs> well, but you're right, but you are right. And for some people that works, but you are right. And also, like, you know, you it's not your own yeah, domain no, that's right. as such. And that to me was so like, no, 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 I, I, I need know. my own I, space after 20 years, you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. no shame and, but also like then it, it and, and I you know I mean it works for some people and that's fine that's great but uh, for me personally I would find it like 
the, the, is there, are there rules for that one house that you all sort yeah. of like cohabit? Yeah. So, but, so I'm wondering if it actually causes, or it, it would cause problems for me, I suppose, yeah. in the fact that you would you'd have a week where it's your house and then you move out, somebody else moves yeah. in, and then it's a week of them their well, house. It would still so be, it would still be to, you know, maybe, our house. As in yeah. the, the, the ex-partners. And for my for my current partner, I mean, we've never had to speak about oh. this, but I can imagine she'd be like, I don't want you sharing a house with your ex-wife, even though when they're at different weeks, it's you're still sharing a house together and you're still having to live with some um, compromised understanding of how we run a house, you know. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that and I think you put that very well. It's that compromised understanding. And I don't think, yeah, for me. I'm not sure I'd want to be. That's why the relationship didn't work because the compromise was not working. You know, in my current relationship, it doesn't even feel like a compromise. It's just so easy. We just, it's just so easy. It doesn't ever feel like I'm, I'm having to go without or having to change what I want to do too much, because we're just so conscious and nice to each other. (laughs) You know. Yeah. Well, uh, but I also wonder if it's because you get a break from each other as well. And I, and I wonder if this is what the new way of being married should be, because personally I sit there and go, I quite like having my own house. And one of the reasons I've not gone out and dated is because I I don't want to. Let's change the rules. Like I don't want to. Let's evolve. Yeah. You know, people say, people say, oh my God, you guys, you're so in love. You've been together for six years and you still have separate houses. And we're like, yeah. And what's wrong with that? We get along exactly. better than That's we get along better saying. than most couples we know. You know, we get our week oh, together, yeah. and then we have a week yeah, apart where great. I've got my room and she's got her room, and I've got my kids and she's got her kids. And as a, as a blended family, we do lots of stuff together. We go to the movies again on Saturday, and we went to Nitro Circus the other night with all the kids, and Yay. so we do all that stuff together. But having our own yeah. space is actually really important. You know, we talk about one day we dream about when the kids have all grown up and flown the coop. Um, you know, having oh my god, what are you we going to build a house together somewhere beautiful? Oh, okay. Um, but we talk about having our own spaces. You know, I'll have my studio yeah. where I go and and yeah. write music and record and do my thing and write my books. And Tars will have her studio where she, you know, does her Pilates and her yeah. So we'll have our yeah. own spaces as well, and we know how important that is. And I think that's really yeah. important, like really yeah. important. Yeah, why not? Um, because otherwise, because you're still. You're you're in the relationship, but you're not losing yourself That's to right. the relationship. You're like enhancing that relationship. Yeah. Oh well, look, we will definitely get you back to talk about you know blended families and the challenges yeah. of that because that is a whole different uh-huh, podcast. It is. No, that's cool. That's cool. So look, what um what did you find was the best? Well, best resource. I don't know whether that's a book, whether that's something you've done or anything. But what was the best? thing that you did to help your co-parenting situation to help the boys with how they've grown up i mean they're they're, they're adults now well one of them will yeah. be soon yeah so. yeah yeah um one of the one of the best kind of focuses i don't know if this is a resource um but i've got a a resource for for people if they want it um but the the one of the most important things i think to focus on is communication and that yeah. doesn't mean it's easy, but it, it should be a focus. It should be something that as an individual yeah. I'm going to focus on. And I can't control how if other people value communication or not, i.e. my ex, um, you know, which she does, thankfully. But if she didn't value communication, I, I wouldn't have been able to control that. All my boys, all I can control or at least influence is me 
and how much I value communication and how much effort I put into continually improving my ability to communicate, right? It's just been so important. So did you do that? Did you do that through books? Did you do that with yeah. uh, going books, to see someone? Workshops, did you, like, understanding, understanding human behaviour. So understanding the difference between masculine and feminine energy and how they communicate. Understanding mm-hmm. the four behavioural styles. You know, the DISC model and how they how they communicate yeah. differently. Understanding the love languages. Reading, read the book, the Five yeah. Love Languages by Gary Chapman. You know, yes. it's just so understanding all of the human code then improves our ability to be able to communicate effectively depending on who we're, we're talking with, you know. Um, yeah. pr- lots of meditation so that I can be more calm in communication rather than getting caught up or het up in the emotion of the situation, you know. So just remaining calm and, and present for other people which came through meditation. But it all ended up clear in me writing this book, The Art of Conscious Communication, um, this yes, first book is wow, for thoughtful yes, men, but the women that are reading it are, are writing to me and saying, oh, thank you so much for this book. I loved it. And now I'm giving it to my husband or my ex yeah. to read. Um, but it is, it's all about conscious communication. And I, for me, look, I, I have made a point of communicating with my boys all the way through it. And they feel like they can tell me everything. Um, and I know they have some things that necessarily they keep from me because that's their sense of autonomy and independence. But whenever they're worried about anything, they come straight to me and tell me about it, regardless of what it is. Even if they're doing naughty stuff, they'll still come and talk with me yeah. about it. You know, And I think it's really important yeah. to have that communication channel open. Yeah, no, look, I, and I'm hoping that I have that effect on my son, who knows what it'll be like when he's 18. But yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's where we want to get to with our kids is, like my my view is, I know he'll do naughty stuff. I did naughty yeah. stuff, yeah. But in quote marks, you, we it's all part of growing up. But it's actually being able to do naughty stuff and do it within the limitations that yeah. aren't going to kill yeah. you, or you know, to be educated to understand. Well, what is the to feel safe stuff to talk to their parent doing about doing to you and go, hey, mum, yeah. Um, I got offered this the other day. This is when he's much older than six, obviously. I got offered this the other day. What do you think? Do you know what I, I mean? So. Like having the conversation with you, you yeah. know, and I think that's important. The other thing too, Claire, I think it's really important is that, you know, you can have um, integrity to your values. You can be authentic and stick to your values, even if your ex doesn't. So I was coaching a client yeah. um, and she was saying, and communication's big for her. She really values communication. And in the co-parenting relationship, she was getting so frustrated with her ex because he was a shit communicator and he didn't value it. So she, every time at handover, she'd say, hey, here's the list of things you need to know this week. Logistical, right? So she's got this on on this day and he's got a doctor's appointment on this day and you need to follow up. Oh, and emotionally, she's been going through a tough time with this and he, but so she's communicating everything to him. He would metaphorically just kind of screw up the paper and chuck it away and not take it, not even listen to her. And but it's all, I look at that and I also go, that's a control, right? Control and then well. when they were doing the handover yeah. back in the other direction, he just wouldn't communicate with her what was going on. And she'd find out through the kids what's going on. Wow. Right. So she was getting yeah. annoyed and upset that the communication was only one way. So she got to the point where she just went, Oh, do you know what? I feel like just going, fuck it. I'm not even going to try and communicate about the kids anymore. And I said, how would that make you feel? You know, and she said, well, I feel shit because we should be communicating, you know. And I said, how about if you just kept it and said, 
he should do whatever he does, but I should always be communicative because I believe in that, right? Rather than lowering your standards of your values and how you want to live just to come and play down on the level of the ex, why don't you just keep communicating and let go of the expectation that he should do the same, right? And I think so- yeah, I, I, I yeah. completely agree with you. Because at the end of the day, quintessentially, you can't right. control the ex. You can't control right. that other person, right? So if they make um, – but what you can control is yeah. how you react yeah. and what you're yeah. doing, right? So if you believe your value is that communication is really valuable to me and yeah. I need to – you know, I'm I'm going to continue because, like you said, you're lowering yourself to that other person's yeah. standards. And actually, like, there are times where I do sit there and I think, what would my son be saying to me in ten years' time when he's sixteen if he went, oh, well, mum, yeah. you just gave yeah. up, right? And I'm going, no, no, no. It, like, it's not about like it's. Uh, I'm never been one for giving up anyway but it's it's uh, you know i yeah it's all about yeah. him do you know what i mean it's, it's yeah what's good for him well it's good that i communicate yeah. all of these things to the ex-person even if yeah. they're not going to communicate back to me still continue to do that because yeah. it's good for my children it's good for it's good for my children to see that i strive to be the best version of myself yes. it's good for them to see that i yes. do actually strive to live to my values and have integrity and I'm a human and I trip over and I and I mess up. But 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 generally speaking, I'm, you know, if these are the things I value that I'm living by example, that's good for our kids to see that, right? Yeah. Rather than exactly. just going off. Oh, exactly. You know. <laughs> I mean but but very um very insightful insightful from you is the fact of what people don't actually realize is in holding on to, well, they should be doing this and they should be doing that. It's causing you stress and stress within your body. And therefore it's, it's not constructive for you because you're projecting what they should and shouldn't be doing. Well, they're their own human being, right? So they shouldn't, should be doing whatever they believe they should should be doing. And it's not about what you believe they should be. Yeah, completely. A lot too, too many shoulds in there. And that's, but, the, bottom, know, that's yeah. the bottom line, yeah. okay? Too many shoulds. You've got to let go. That's the bottom line. Whenever yeah. you hear yes. yourself saying they should be this or they should be that or that should have this and that should, drop it. All it's doing is causing yeah. you grief, you know? And Yes. And they're yeah, not they're stressed. They're just doing their thing. They're sitting, there, they're sitting there probably going, happy days, this is good, this is getting you stressed. Yeah, yeah. I'm not stressed. And the more it winds you up, the more they may be feeling happy because it's who knows, element of you know, whether they're feeling happy or not. But the, but certainly the kids are well, your exactly. Kids are picking and who up cares? You know, the more stressed you are, the yeah. more unhappy you are, the more let down you feel, the more exacerbated you feel with other people and life in general. You're teaching your kids how to be, you know, and I think this is yeah. really important leverage. Yes to create change because if you because we all care about yeah. our kids right what well, most of us care about our kids yeah. so if you think wow the way i'm being right now i pissed off and exacerbated and disappointed and upset and let down all the time i'm showing my child how to be do i want them to live a life like this god no i want them to be no. chilled and ease and flow and happy and happy. loving life you know yeah. So you got to figure yeah. out a way to be like that. And what you said, Claire, is just one of the keys to that is to let go of expecting that other people should behave the way you think they should behave. Yeah. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. I Yeah. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. And then when you do actually let go of all of that, 
you find that you're actually in a happier mm. place mm. and a happier person and yeah. more chilled and more considerate and more empathetic yeah. of other people, even when yeah. you're not being, dare I say it, a Karen or I don't know what the male version would be. What is the male version of a Karen? Again, Daz. I don't know. But, um, yeah, you know. I've got a friend, yeah. Daz. I don't know why I said Daz. I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, but oh, I know. Daz. Oh, poor God, Karen. I've got on. friends, Karen, as well. But, yeah. but you know, know. it's oh, yeah, interesting no, that you too. say this because this was part of my healing was also letting go of expecting that the boy's mum should be in certain ways and going, no, 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 she yeah. should just be who she is and do things the way she does them. You know, and and that was really, really hard because um, just quietly, just between you and me and everyone else who's listening, there were times when she would do things that, that I thought wasn't fair on the kids. She would have conversations with them. She used to try and poison them against me and poison them against my partner. And I, was, I thought, oh, wow. that's not fair on the kids. And that used yeah. to really upset me no. because my because of my boys. I didn't care what she thought of me anymore. We'd broken up and it's like, you're entitled to hate me if you want, but don't try and get our kids to think badly against me as well. And I would see the effect that would have on the boys because they'd come home to me and go, dad, dad, it was really awkward, really upset because mum was saying this about you and that about yeah. And I made a point of never putting her down no, me, to them, yeah, me too. never talking about yeah. her faults to them because that wasn't fair on them. So it wasn't easy because I then had to go, actually, Jem, you've got to let this go. If she's doing, if she is having these conversations with the boys, she should. Is it not because it's good for them, but because she's doing it. So you've right. got to accept it. So I just had to accept that that's what was going on and let it go. You know, I mean, yeah, I tried. I had. Nice. I tried to have some conversations with her back in the days when it was really sticky and hard, and and saying, "Hey, I don't care what you think about Stop. me. That's fine. But the boys are coming to me in tears because of the stuff you're saying to them. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, like, I I have to agree with you um, regarding that because no matter all the things that I've been through with my ex partner, at the end of the day, quintessentially. He's my yeah, kid's yeah. dad, right? And when I look, and I don't, and being the age I am, right, there are some things that my parents have done. When I was his age, my parents were God, right? They right. could do no wrong, right? I'm now at the age I am going, yeah. wow, okay, maybe you need to reconsider what you're saying. Maybe you need to re- reconsider your attitude there. Maybe, and like, it's the age yeah. I am, right? God love my mum because she's listening to this. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, they're human. That's why yeah. this podcast is called Strong, Single and Human. Yeah. We're all human. Yeah. There is stuff I do yeah. that I know is not constructive yep. to me, my child, anything, right? But it's about recognising taking a step back. And sometimes it's recognising and taking a step back, not before I've actually done it, yeah. but I go and do it and then I go, oh, shit, that was not the most effective way to tell my son to go to yeah. bed or yep. to get something done or, you know, to do whatever, right? So uh, to get what I want, what I need, that was not the effective way to do it. It was my frustration is coming out, yeah. which is not – you know, yeah, she's not constructive. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know when, so, when when we when we stuff up, um, which is what we do, right? So when we yeah. when we stuff up in a moment, and then we come out of that moment, we go, oh bugger, that was a really yes. terrible way to do that. Yeah. There's, there's for, for me, I think an important part of this self acceptance, self love uh, relationship mm. to develop is, hey, Jem, in that moment right then, 
you lost it. It's okay. You're human. Yeah. You didn't. You didn't wake up this morning thinking, "How can I hurt my kids?" Right? You're you're, you're trying your best. You're human. You lost it. Full forgiveness, full acceptance doesn't mean that I'm going, oh, well, I can just be a dick now whenever I want. It's No, it's not about that. It's about that wasn't cool. And I hope next time I do it better and le- and I'm going to think about how I can try and do it better next time. How do but I do it In different? terms of self-retribution, no. 100% self-acceptance, self-forgiveness, self-love, I think so important because if you build, if you continue this relationship of I'm a dickhead, I'm, I'm, you know, I shouldn't yell at my kids or I shouldn't have done this and, you know, and holding on to this negative self-talk, you're just setting yourself up to be worse in the future. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like I, you know, if there have been and there are times where I will like, um, and it's not constructive, it never has been constructive to, to, to yell at your child. But yeah. there are times where buttons get pushed, you're tired, you're trying yeah. to do half a dozen things, being a single yeah. parent, and your child yeah. is going, mom, 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 mom. Um, and you just go, please, please just be quiet for a second or whatever, maybe shut up, I don't know. It's then going back to that child and going, look, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have, like, I didn't yeah. deal with that situation very good. Yeah. Or, or we didn't deal with that situation very good because there are times, me and my son are very similar, where we stand shouting each other or whatever or, you know, we've yeah. conflicting because yeah. we're the same. Yeah. And I, it's about sitting down and going, how can we do that better? Dude, yeah. like, this isn't working. Yeah. How do, we, how do we, and he's six, but he's very good at telling me how it is. So, yeah. Yeah, it's all good. Beautiful. Okay. So, um, this book sounds in- – I don't have a partner to actually give this book to, but this book sounds interesting, mate. I'll get it and read it yes. myself. Yeah. So, like, how do people – like, are, are you on Amazon? Do they go to a website? Yeah, they can, what do- they can go to Amazon. If you're in Australia, it's probably easier to just grab it off my website. My website is jemfuller.com, so J-E-M, fuller.com. Um, just grab the book from there if you want, or Booktopia or Amazon or in your local bookshop. They can order it in the oh. distributor or bring it to the bookshop. However, it's easiest for you to get it. Wow. Okay. It's going to be so on Audible that. soon. I'm, I've recorded oh, the awesome. Audible and the, the the production team are doing all the mixing and making stuff that I don't know how to do. Um, so it'll be on Audible in the next month or two, I think. Wow, an audible book. Like yeah. that to me is next level. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's awesome. Because it's okay, write books, but like when you're on audible, ooh, no, that's awesome. And that's really good because people can like be doing dinner and listening to your book. Yeah. Yeah, which that's is right. awesome. Yeah. yeah, no, which is which is why I'm doing the podcast because I'm hoping that's what people do with my podcast. Right, right. Um, so, okay, brilliant. And are there other resources on your website as well that yep, you've got? Yeah, like, yep. I've got online courses on resilience. Uh, I've got a, an introduction to meditation course. In fact, um, I can make it free for your listeners, the meditation course, wow. if they want. So, w- when they go onto my online courses, there's an introduction to mindfulness meditation course. Um, it's just 10 meditations and you can download it. When you get to the checkout page, just type the words spring okay. gift as one word. Yeah. So, spring and gift in the coupon bit and then the wow. course will be free awesome. and you can Look, download it and have That's it. That's awesome. Great. Okay. Well, look, one final yeah. question, one final question. If you mm. could have a superpower, what would it be? If I could have a superpower, what would it be? Um, I, I just, I guess the ultimate level of, of calm and compassion so that to, to be ultimately calm in situations where my ego gets in the way 
and yeah. ultimately compassionate to, to truly understand what someone's going through or where they're coming from. So more like a Zen power, like a yeah. like a Buddhist sort of like Buddhist monk. I'd like. love to be able to fly. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, yeah, there is that. I know. Well, there, yeah. see, I've had several. I've had um, fly, time travel, yeah, um, just hopping from one country. So like a little, well, it's not time travel, but it would be like a little portal like a little portal that you would just Space go, right, I want to go to like London a, and, yeah, you'd just go, and you'd uh-huh, be there within yeah. like two minutes. I know, but if you could do that, you miss out on all of those hours of being having food and drinks brought mm-hmm. to you and having your phone not working and having some time to just switch off and read a book or watch a movie. <gasps> Don't even go there. You haven't been on a boy and you're, been, you're in Victoria the same as me, so you haven't been on a plane for a long time. No, no, no. There is none of this now. not having your phone work. Like internet, everything. I just pretend it doesn't like, work. You know, I just pretend I don't internet, know about everything. that. <laughs> well, no, that's fair enough. I have to say it was the one thing, because I used to fly a lot from London to, to Australia because um, I had a long-distance mm. relationship for about 18 months, um, and that's why I'm here. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Like sitting on that plane and I would sit there and go, right, okay, this is 24 hours of watching movies or watching one. And I was like, it was just heaven for me because I was so busy at work. And, you know, I didn't have a kid then as well. So that was great. So I had a busy social life, busy at work. So I didn't get to do the Netflix thing. I mean, I do that quite a bit more now because I have a child. (laughs) So he's in bed early and I go do the Netflix thing. But, um, but yeah, no. um, Yeah. Okay. Well, great. So superpower. Superpower, you know, it, maybe it sounds a bit boring, but the ability to be calm and centred mm. in the midst of a storm is a superpower. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And then the other one that's sort of like superhero-ish is the flying. Oh, yeah, flying. So. Yeah, flying would be cool. Oh, the, I said the other one is like the superhero bit is the flying, though. Oh, wow. So I have to that ask, though, right? I'll ask this with everyone who says their superpower yeah. would be flying. You know, if I felt cape like no if I felt cape. like having a cape flapping in the wind, then it would be on. And <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> See, I sit there and write my view on this I could, is yeah, if could. you're a superhero and you're flying, right, you don't have any cape, right, because it could get caught on things. I know. See, so I'm going, you know, and evil release, people like could if, grab if had a quick release and strangle you, and that's superhero and the over. Baddies grab it so and you I don't just know, maybe like that's lizard, just where my like a lizard dropping its tail, you know. <gasps> Velcro. <laughs> oh, well, that's true. Oh, yeah. We could, we could. Then you could be flying lizard man. That would be. Oh, we could go down a whole avenue here as well. Look, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me, Jem. It's It's been great talking to you and finding out about, you know, your, your journey you've had with, um, with co-parenting, basically, because uh, it's not easy. It sounds like you guys have, you know, it's been a lot easier than some people have it. Yeah. Um, and the challenges that some people have had, but like, it's still hard, yeah. right? It's still dealing with two people with emotions. And, yeah. And, and it can and be a roller coaster. Kids, basically, that you you're know, trying my, to, my like, partner and I call it the RFC, you know, which is the roller so, coaster. Yeah, look, um, because sometimes yeah. they're here. Sometimes your ex is here and it's all fine. And then the next week they're like, yeah. it's like, oh, God damn, trying to keep up with it, you know. So it's a bit of it can be a roller coaster. But yeah. um, look, you know, humans are complex creatures, yeah. and we're certainly yeah. um, a blend of functional sometimes right. and very dysfunctional in other times. And you know, it's tricky. It's tricky. Um, but what we just keep waking up and yeah. doing what we can All do, of right? Us.
Yep. Well, it's just about keep waking up and being the better version of yourself and, and keep trying to just be and that having better conversations version like this, every Claire, single really day. Important. So I just want to say one thank you to you for, for putting this podcast on and all the energy and the effort you put into it because yeah. without having conversations about this stuff, nothing would be likely to change. So. Yeah, and look, that's what um, – that's why I started this so that I can get people like yourself who have been through these sort of things to come on board and say, hey, guys, like you're not the only people out there. Because I know sometimes when you sit and in a situation, you're like, oh, this is, you know, I'm the only person going through this and, and you're not. Yeah, it's just about standing up and going, right, how do I how do I get out of this yeah. situation and, and trying to give people hope. Um, and trying yeah. to say other people yeah. have been through this so you can learn from what they've been through Beautiful. and um, and move forward, you know, small steps at a time, baby steps. Let's not go leaping and bounding. <laughs> Sometimes that's leaping and bounding yeah. off a cliff that we maybe don't want to leap and bound off. Um, but, yes, no, look, yep. thank you. I will let you get on with your day. Um, and, yeah, look, um, yeah, we'll definitely get you back on. I'm, I've already had conversations with you about various different things that we need to get you back on and talk about because, um, yeah, you've um, been through a hell of a journey and it's great. Awesome. Let's get you back on talk about blended families Thank you so much, stuff. Claire. Yeah, Let's do I, that. I'd love to. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. No, okay. Well, um, All right. have a great day. You too. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you'd like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family on all the usual social media platforms that you're normally on. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content that I know you're going to want to hear like this. If you want to check out past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast or for links, resources and show notes, go to our website www.strongsingleandhuman.com. We are also on all the usual social media platforms, Insta, Facey and Twitter. Have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon. Be kind to yourself and remember, no one's perfect and we're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best. I'm Claire Martin and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast. Hello, this is Kieran Carroll, uh, the playwright from Edith Vale, and you're on Radio Carum, a great station that gives many, many voices a chance across the city of Kingston. Go Radio Carum. <laughs>